You're listening to The Real Foster Parents of Colorado. I'm Hope, and I started Foster Together Colorado to meet the needs I saw in my first three years as a foster mom. My theory, and it has proven true so far, is that if we make it easy to learn about the human stories of foster care, then good-hearted Coloradans will be ready to help in simple ways. This is the only podcast focused on foster parenting or child welfare in Colorado. Our goal is to make foster care fascinating by stories from neighbors to neighbors and living room conversations. This podcast is the next best thing to meeting a foster parent in real life and asking them all those questions. How do you make it work? Don't you get attached? What's it like when they leave? It's the second half of my conversation with David and Lynn. They've been foster parents for 15 years and are just now taking a break. They've been parenting for 40 years total, sequentially now, and they're just now taking a break to see what an empty nest feels like. But I thought we could learn a little bit from their wisdom of how they structure their home, how they create their values. And I especially love David's advice um, about halfway through here, where he says he tells the teenagers to make it easy for him to say yes. So let's dive in. Let's figure out how to run a happy, successful foster home. Well, so tell us a few, you talked about getting your family values really straight thanks to foster care. So tell us a few things that you wanted kids to make sure that they knew while they were in your home or, or things that you really, were their house rules, were there, you know, overarching principles that you wanted them to, to know coming in or going out? Yeah, most definitely, particularly as they got older. But there's certain we had certain phrases we would use over and over again. Um, basic things like, if it's not yours, don't touch it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, We'd use the phrase of, make it easy for me to say yes, uh-huh. particularly as kids got older. Yeah. And really what that really encompasses is, was this idea of understand what you're asking for. If you want to go to an an event after school, then when you approach me with that, understand what are going to be my concerns. I'm going to be concerned about your safety. I'm going to be concerned about how are you getting there. I'm going to be concerned about uh, who are you with. So if you could would come and share that information, once you answer it all, it's much more likely for me to say mm-hmm. yes. And then they're learning how to plan like, okay, I know what they're looking for. Exactly. I know which people they trust or whatever. And in fact, we've had several come back to us later uh, saying, you know, after we've gone through how to answer questions for you, when we went on job interviews, mm-hmm. it was so much That's easier. That's so cool. <laughs> and working with, you know, they would get to their first big job and they talk about, oh, I don't understand why these people are freaking out. The boss really just wants blah, 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 because they began to understand a world beyond themselves. I love it. So that, that became a big piece. Yeah. So to teach them it, how to think. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Make it easy for me to say yes. That's teaching them how to think. That's teaching mm-hmm. forethought and other centeredness. And I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. So just with that one phrase, you're building that whole skill. So yes. I'm, I'm sure some of the parents who are, who are listening, who aren't even foster parents are going to use that. <laughs> well, um, one of the things yeah. too is, is, um, again, you, you get that first, you get the knock on the door and a kiddo comes you know, through the door with the caseworker, and we kind of divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. So David usually takes the child and starts sort of showing them the house, you know, explaining where things are, where they'll be, getting them comfortable. 
And then I usually sit down with a caseworker mm-hmm. and go through all the logistics, sign the paper, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But the one thing that you always tell me that there's what three <laughs> rules? It, it's, it's, it's a you can't have a huge list of no. stuff, so you gotta have a nice. That's a great way to fail. Yeah. Oh, almost. <laughs> you've got 25 rules of this house. Yeah. You know, I can't remember that many, no. and they certainly can't. So we try to. to Boil it down to some basics, right? And it's like you can't you can't hurt yourself, you can't hurt others, and you can't hurt stuff. And amongst those three, we can work just about any other issue. Later on, we can come back. It's like, hey, you put a fist to the wall. Do you remember when I talked about you can't hurt stuff? That's an example. And then as we started taking older um, older teens, particularly older boys. Uh, it was always very important for me to also add on there, and you have to always respect Mrs. Holland, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that it just helps to set the stage yeah. for the household expects respect. And in businesses, it matters because they are testosterone driven and, yes. <laughs> and they are growing and they're huge. And so it's easy for them to tower over. And to mm-hmm. project the sense of intimidation, totally. like, that's not allowed in this house. Mm-hmm. And so, if you started early, mm-hmm. you know. It, so you had pretty good success with that, where you weren't having to intervene a ton with, especially the teen boys. Oh, well, we still had to intervene. Yeah. But um, we'd always draw them back to, why are you here? Yeah. And and we could do that because our niche was. You want to get back home, right? And we're trying to work with you to get back home. So let's keep you on task. Let's keep you focused. Uh, For some of the teen moms, you know, some of the the conversation we had, it's like we are, you know, we would not have wished this situation on you at this age, but it is here now. And we have to help you in a very condensed time learn all of these skill sets you need so that when you leave from us, you can be independent and successful, mm-hmm. right? And every time we kept driving them back to, this is your journey, this is your life, this is your purpose, it tends to work a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they get vested in it. Mm-hmm. Wow, those are good rules. After 15 years of <laughs> 23 kids, you said, 21 22. kids? 22 kids, you decided, you told me when we met at the party in Broomfield, you're going to see what an empty nest feels like. Because <laughs> your your uh, your son was 11 when you started, so he must be 35 now, or 25 now. Yeah, 27. Yeah, 27 yeah. now. Well, and we do have an older one who's actually 40. Okay. So literally for 40 years, we've yeah. had children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been two months. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're out of the woods yet. You guys could take a break tomorrow. Yeah. Well, we are doing a respite care next week. Yeah. We are. But so yeah. Um but what we decided was there is so much and you know, we did some training and that was very rewarding because you got to share and teach. Mm-hmm. So many more people. The new foster parents. Yes. Yeah, and and it was done through um, an awesome agency. It's the Colorado State Foster Parent yes. Association. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful. They'll come. They'll 
they'll wrap their arms around you and, and help if you have issues yeah. and stuff like that. So it was a good experience getting through there. Um, so, but after uh, doing this that long, it's like we just needed a break, right? And um, uh, I'm going to come back to that, but I do want to just clarify that even after we had kiddos in our home, Whenever they went back, we always forced an imposed break <laughs> just so that we would have time to refresh, mm. recover, renew our own relationship, be able to speak to, hey, this is what I've learned. And as a result of that, I need to focus this on them. And, and so we'd always have those kind of yeah. breaks in between. Then take the next kiddo in. Usually um, would never last more than two weeks. Because <laughs> they'd call us and say, are you guys done with your break yet? <laughs> but that becomes a really important piece of pulling it off. But this yeah. one, we, we actually did want to have a little bit longer longer time. We could explore other things that are interesting to us. We're um, uh, looking into how do I, like, I, I had a chance to go back and, and explore plays. Mm-hmm. I never got to go see plays downtown because there's always other stuff. Uh, just what explore. have you seen? Oh, just about everything. So oh, now cool. I, I, one of the things I do for fun is I volunteer um, usher. Oh, at the um, DCPA? Yes. That's so, so great. Yeah, I've seen just Did you see Hamilton? I didn't get to see uh, Hamilton. There are limits in terms of how they help. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I end up with the lottery every day. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but, it, but it gives you a chance to sort of refresh and do some of those things. Yeah. But we still have this passion. We had all this knowledge. We have all of this experience. We have this um, desire to see uh, kiddos succeed, but also foster parents succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we, we try to figure out how could we mentor? How could we continue to help? How could we offer and encourage? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, recognize that that is, a, that is a need. Yeah. And do you, if somebody is listening who just has the very basic stereotypes about foster care in their head, would you say that most foster parents are, to make it really blunt, bad? Foster okay. parents, or would you say that the most that you've run into have been in it for the right reasons? Clearly, most of them are in it for mm-hmm. the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it is, it's just hard. Mm-hmm. And understanding the system can be mm-hmm. frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to figure out where to go sometimes, and yeah. you can very easily feel isolated because yeah. you are overwhelmed. Um, and so, you know, we learned so much with every placement mm-hmm. from, you know, very different perspectives to understanding the IEPs and the special school programs and those kinds of things that we hadn't had experience with. So, you know, we just wanted to be able to help other people kind of jumpstart through that and be more successful earlier in their foster parenting mm-hmm. career than we were. Mm-hmm. So... We've contracted with Broomfield County that kind of, they can use us really however. Yeah. So we've mentored a few people, um, that have been foster parents with their first placements, kind of coached them through, been available for them. Um, a young couple with a baby that, um, we've been kind of mentoring that there really isn't an active case, mm-hmm. but they felt like they could just use a little bit to kind of keep them afloat and yeah. keep them, you know, to not have a case. Yes. So yes. more prevention, actually. So, you know, we've said we can teach classes, we can coach, you know, 
teen parents, mm-hmm. and we can coach bio parents. Yeah. So kind of anyone in the whole yeah. scheme of things. That's great. Good. And has Broomfield been nice to work with? It sounds like they have a pretty good program up there. They do. They have been awesome. Yeah. And certainly as we taught around the state, we got to hear firsthand scenarios of other people's experience. And sometimes we almost felt guilty because Broomfield has been awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, and maybe because we were there at the beginning as well, but they have just been very, very accommodating, supportive, whatever we've needed. Um, even for Foster Appreciation Month, they gave us a box full of nine Girl Scout cookies oh, and cool. balloons and a picture of the staff. Well, and I, and I think a lot of that comes out of um, Broomfield is fortunate enough to have some uh, have a particular worker who focuses right. on the foster parents. Right. A lot of the larger counties, uh, they are overwhelmed. They have so many um, cases they're trying to deal with. Um, that sometimes they have caseworkers who are only focused on the kiddo side, uh, and you lose that connection of having someone who really looks to what do you need to continue to be successful as a foster mm-hmm. parent, and then are and then is willing to look for ways to try to help find the support necessary for that. Yeah, um, I think as as that type of a model is able to be uh, replicated in other counties, it just is going to improve the support that foster parents feel and what can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another thing, although counties are sort of handled independently, and you also have um, uh, CPAs that, that do support. The agencies. The agencies. Um, you can support one another. Mm-hmm. Foster parents can still cross county boundaries to offer that type of support and to let people know you're not alone. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One question for you, Lynn, before I go to our planned last question. Um, you came to a foster together party, actually pretty much the first official party we had. Would you say that that kind of, I mean, we just had the most beautiful time talking and we had foster parents in the room. We had neighbors who want to support foster parents, but have never and have seen this world of foster care before. And I just loved how we had people in the driveway until <laughs> 9.45 talking as they're trying to get their kids in the car, but then they keep talking and talking. And um, would you say that that's the kind of community that you've found in fostering where you just have that deeply held commonality? Certainly, yes, with other foster parents. Mm-hmm. Because I think other people really just don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, You'll get comments like, oh, how can you do that? How can you give the kids away? And um, Or why do you put up with that? Or isn't that too scary? Or, you know, just so many of these sort of more negative, fearful things that talking to other foster parents, it's kind of like you're on a different planet, Mm -hmm. speaking a different language, that it's like you understand what I'm going through. And I can vent about my frustrations, but you know I'm not looking, you know, I'm just really looking for support and some venting and some understanding. And you appreciate the system, and we understand our mission. And that no matter what, we're going to keep going, Mm -hmm. but... You just kind of need some pick-me-up every Well, right. Time. It's like when you're in the newborn stages with a new baby and you're not sleeping. You don't want people to say, like, 
wow, I don't know how you do it. You're just so amazing. You want them to say, wow, that's really hard, and I'm so grateful you're taking care of that little one. Yeah. So, And I wanted to thank you, too, on that note for um, for reviewing our training material that we have for our new foster parent helpers, who are the people who want to say, hey, foster parent, I'm actually going to listen, and I'm actually going to just be here as a warm presence and helpful rather than projecting my stereotypes onto your family and leaving it to you because you've clearly got a handle. So I appreciate you spending the time to look over that because you with 15 years of experience add so much value to, to me knowing that you've looked over it and you think that it's worth um, putting out there for people. And I think it's great because people don't know. Mm -hmm. And so we'll give them some background. And I think people don't have time or energy, or maybe that's just not their skill set to take kids in their home 24 seven, but would love to help in some way. And even making a meal once or twice a month is huge for somebody in this fast-paced life of foster. Exactly. Fostering. Were you going to say something? Uh, just mainly emphasizing the the power of having material mm-hmm. to even look at and see those suggestions. I mean, a lot of times when we were first starting out, no one else kind of understood. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that's being pulled together and being shared, wonderful resource. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to have you guys on board. Um, it, it really means a lot knowing that you guys really know what this world is like. Um, okay, before we close, any advice to the listeners? We've got foster parents listening. We've got just curious, average Coloradan, wonderful people who are just kind of like, what is this foster care world? And what do I need to know about it? Do you have any advice to them as far as do you think they should all become foster parents tomorrow? Do you think they should apply a certain thing in their home? Do you think they should, um, you know, what's the perspective you would want to leave them with or the call that you would want to leave them with, each of you? Well, I would say um, that the need is huge and there isn't just one thing you know, we have this perception that, well, the only thing you could do to help foster kids is to take them into your home. But there's really a whole spectrum of ways that you could help and support not only the kiddos, but the families, um, the bio families and the fostering parents. And through certainly your program, I mean, that's an awesome um, way and then just even the other networking things that have come from that. Our recommendation is usually that people do, if they're considering, get trained and do some respite care. Mm-hmm. Kind of see what it's really like. And don't just go on stereotypes. Um, talk to people. There is a big spectrum of things you could do. Right. So maybe start small so you don't jump in and then say forget it. Yeah. Start small. Kind of get educated. Get your hands on and, you know, then just see where it leads you. I think starting small is a great, great idea because we'll reduce our burnout that way. And I say this often, but I don't really understand why there's not a requirement that before foster parents are certified, they spend two days with a current foster family or do some respite. I think some some counties and states actually do have that requirement. You have to do respite for six months before you're certified. Um, to take kids long-term. And so I think that that can just show you, oh, there's a variety. I mean, your toddler needs are so different from your teenager needs, and maybe you think you're great at babies, but you're just in your element with teenagers, and you would have never gone there 
if you hadn't had that short-term opportunity to try it out. So, yeah, yeah I like that idea to, to do respite or to do um, volunteering with a meal. And if anybody's listening and they want to get on my map and figure out who's in their area that needs help, I can help with that. Um, and I'll give my email at the end of the show. So anything else from you, David? You know, I... I'd say the biggest thing I'd offer, whether it's foster parents or birth parents or um, just the recognition that it's a continual learning process. Mm -hmm. Um, You're learning about yourself. You're learning about the kiddos. One of the greatest benefits I think um, I gained from going through fostering is the the requirement to continue to learn. Yeah. So we have been exposed to so many different parenting um, uh, uh, trainings and information, uh, things that helped us become just plain better parents, uh, understanding how to communicate, not just with our kiddos, but it improved my communication with coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a continual learning process, and it is um unrealistic and unfair to think that anyone is going to be able to uh be perfect. Uh and so that I think is the biggest takeaway I'd offer in there. Mm-hmm. It's just recognize it's it's all about the progress, not the perfection. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about because you work for United Way, will you tell us a little bit about the Bridging the Gap program that you have here in Denver? Oh, certainly. So uh, Bridging the Gap is a wonderful program that really focuses on uh, kids that came out of the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Statistically, a lot of uh, kiddos that um, uh, age out, as we say, um, they are at a much higher risk for uh, homelessness, for um, uh, dealing with um uh, uh, just challenges in getting their life settled and moving forward. So bridging a gap is intended to try to come alongside them to assist. Mm-hmm. They are assigned a, a life coach, someone who they can sit and just begin working through some of their their issues on becoming independent. Uh, as fortunate lately, I've been able to sit on their scholarship committee, mm-hmm. which really gives us a chance to see um, kiddos who are coming in and they're saying, like, I want to go back to school. This is what I'm, I, I want to try to accomplish. Um, and the life coach will just ask those questions to help them think through what is necessary if you want to go to school. Yes. How are you going to provide for transportation? How are you going to um, make sure you get there on time while you're working? Just asking some basic questions that, quite frankly, I wish someone had asked me when I was trying to figure out things, yes. but are sometimes a little bit more difficult for our kiddos that came out of the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Um, there are such challenges, for example, a lot of people don't realize that until very, very recently, kids going through foster care never got a chance to learn how to drive. Mm-hmm. And we live in a city that requires a lot of driving. Yeah. So just that basic kind of uh 
issue can be a challenge. Um, again, until recently, foster kids didn't always get a chance to spend the night at a friend's house. Right. So if you've never spent the night at a friend's house, some of those basic teen experiences, and now suddenly you're inside of an environment where you might have to find a roommate, how do you work through some of these issues? Um, so those are some of the things that Bridget Gap will will uh, assist them with. It'll it'll also look for other opportunities to um, uh, uh, find resources that might help them with housing, that might help them with some of their other uh, needs. So it sounds like it's really maximizing the United Way approach. Yes, it's, it it really is. And that United Way approach is to say, hey, we don't have all the answers, but we can reach out, we can connect with a lot of different agencies and support and pull that off. And that's certainly true with Mile High United Way, but it's equally true with a lot of the other, uh, our sister United Way yeah. that are all over. Yep. Uh, down in Colorado Springs, we have Pikes Peak United Way. Um, so there, all of us have programs and we all have uh, a heart for how do we make a difference inside the life of people. Good. Well, thank you. All right, I think we're good. Thank you for listening to The Real Foster Parents of Colorado. Before you go, I hope you'll head over to our social media accounts to talk about the question that we posted for this episode. This one's pretty open-ended and you can take it wherever you'd like. For foster parents, we're asking, what's the one thing you wish you knew before you became a foster parent? For people who aren't fostering, what's the biggest question you have about how people make it work as foster parents? And that'll be a really lively, fun discussion with foster parents, myself, and people who just care about kids weighing in with their opinion. And I think it's really important that we have these conversations because if we change our mindsets and we change our norms with how we expect foster care to go, I think we'll make it a much better, safer place for kids to be. The question will be posted very clearly on our Facebook at Foster Together Colorado, on Instagram at Foster Together, and on Twitter at Hope40. That's my personal account. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you over there.